Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. I hope you're doing great here and ready to listen to a nice, fun edition of the VLL broadcast here on the Very Lutheran Project. Somebody made a great donation to the Very Lutheran Project with a question. He says, hey, I have a different type of request for this donation. I'd like a short segment on books you'd recommend of any type, not just theological in nature, but those too. Let me know if this is possible and if you're willing. Thanks. And brother, I am more than willing. I am incredibly grateful for everybody who donates to the Very Lutheran Project. Uh, some people only listen to the SoundCloud where I don't really talk about it very much, but I do appreciate anybody and everybody who donates to the Very Lutheran Project. You can find information if you're interested on verylutheran.biz. There is a support tab you can click on, which has a P.O. box for any checks or money orders you'd want to send, as well as an online option uh, through a website called Gumroad. I appreciate it, and while I will never, ever sell the Word of God to people, that would be rank simony, and while I like to record things that people request, whether or not they have donated, it does catch my ear a little bit if somebody sends me money and says, hey, could you talk about this? And I'd just say, yes, sir. But just bear in mind, everything regarding the Very Lutheran Project, all the liturgical documents, all the sermon transcripts, everything I record is 100% free. But I appreciate your support. Anyway, on to the topic. Books. The kinds of books that I would recommend. I have a little bit of a different way of looking at it than most people. Obviously, first and foremost, Holy Scripture. If you have no other books, you should have a Bible. If you read no other books, you should be reading your Bible every day. I honestly believe people forget just how precious of a treasure they have with them when they have a copy of Holy Scripture in their hands. Holy Scripture is alive. It will never get old. It's never boring. It is always something that we do well to study and to study prayerfully. I love the Bible. That's why I'm a Lutheran is I just want the Bible. I want Holy Scripture. <laughs> and that's honestly, I could finish this recording right then and there and just say like this is the number one book to read. But life does not just consist in the Word of God. There are many Lutherans who have been led astray because they're willing to preserve the Word and preserve Lutheran traditions, but they're not willing to observe. They're not willing to observe what the Bible tells us to do. And something very distinct that the Bible tells us to do that you won't really see elsewhere is to gather wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 5 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So you have a verse here in Holy Scripture that says it's good for you to keep learning, to get guidance, to learn from the wisdom of other human beings on various topics throughout your life. And of course, Scripture first. Scripture the priority. But, it should not be in a vacuum. Sola Scriptura does not mean just me and my Bible under a tree. 
or else we don't really have a religion, we're just left with a book, and that's actually an unscriptural idea. But that said, when it comes to the books that we choose to read, if Holy Scripture tells me that I should be getting guidance, learning, and doing a heckin' wisdom here, then I'm going to want to be wise about what books that I'm reading. So St. Paul also says this regarding our freedom as Christians. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. And he gives us his main point here. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Absolutely, that is true. We have a freedom in Christ Jesus that should never be abused for the sake of our own fleshly desires and lusts. But that also is something we want to apply to reading. If I choose a book that has, well, maybe some nasty, sinful stuff in there, or it advocates for a bad lifestyle or glorifies sin, it wouldn't really be wise for me to go out and read it and enjoy it. Now, there's millions and millions of books out there to choose from, and millions more people that would tell you which books to read. And so while we have this freedom in Jesus Christ to say, all right, I have the ability to choose a book to read, and maybe I have to save up a little bit of money if it's expensive, or maybe I have to buy the cheaper ebook version of it, however that pans out, it should be said that we can use our wisdom to filter out a lot of the books that maybe we shouldn't be reading and find books that are full of good wisdom. Now, this isn't to trash the idea of reading for pleasure, reading something fun. I have family members that love, love, love their Dean Koontz, or they love their Philip K. Dick. They really, really like reading fiction stories, and especially fantastical ones. I believe every single one of my in-laws has read The Lord of the Rings multiple times. I've only read the stinking thing once. <laughs> all three volumes, you know, all the three books there, they've read each of the trilogy in The Lord of the Rings three or four times, plus they read The Silmarillion, plus they read The Hobbit a bunch of times. Okay, great. I'm not going to judge that. It's good reading, it's fun, it's enjoyable, and maybe there is a good bit of wisdom they can glean from what J.R.R. Tolkien wrote. But that sort of thing really isn't for me. Generally speaking, the stuff that I get into whenever I'm reading something other than the Bible is, well, theological textbooks, language books, and everything like that for Greek and Hebrew, and then also a lot of how-to books. <laughs> I know it's going to sound silly. It sounds like I'm that nerd out there who's like, I'm going to buy a, an electricity manual to refigure out the wiring in my house and in my car but not quite like that. Obviously, being a pastor, it is good for me to read theological books. So I have the Church Fathers collection, and I have a bunch of Luther's works. That way I can bounce whatever I'm exegeting out of a passage for scripture, whatever I'm trying to see the passage saying to the reader. I can bounce it off of the commentaries of Chrysostom or Augustine, or especially Luther, and 
I can see whether or not I'm innovating. I need to check myself before I wreck myself here. And that's a good thing. I like my commentaries. I like reading books that tell me the specific theological takes of these guys. But at the same time, that's not all I'm going to do. It is a professional requirement. If a pastor is going to be worth his salt, he's going to make sure that he doesn't do solo scriptura. He wants to be a sola scriptura theologian. And that means being willing to look at the teaching magisterium of the church's past because of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, which establishes the teaching magisterium and make sure to check himself. But that said, not everybody is going to have the resources that I have, dear listener. I imagine you don't have the kind of cash to shell out to buy the entirety of the Church Fathers collection or the whole 55-volume set of Luther's works, as much as I personally would love, love, love to have that entire 55-volume set. And it's my next goal when it comes to books here. But if you don't have those kinds of resources where you can just have that stuff. Obviously, there are online resources like New Advent that catalog and save a bunch of that stuff for people to read for free. Even so, there's nothing quite like holding a real book in your hand. So I'm going to make a couple recommendations. The first book, if you're thinking theology here, that you'd want to take a look at, if you're thinking Lutheranism, the first book you'd want to look at is the Book of Concord, which has the Lutheran Confessions in it. The three symbolic creeds that we hold to, the Augsburg Confession, the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. It has the Schmalkald Articles, the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope, the Formula of Concord Epitome, and the Formula of Concord Solid Declaration. These are fantastic books to read, even if you're not a Lutheran. Why? Because you get a snapshot into how things were in the 16th century, the issues facing both the Roman Catholic Church and the Reformers, and you get also a pretty wide variety of quotations and citations of the Church Fathers on soteriology. Now, theology is great, but the aspect of theology, the branch of theology that ought to be emphasized the most is soteriology. Because a religion that doesn't save you isn't worth a warm bucket of spit. Everything has to be filtered through soteriology first. At least in my humble opinion, people will say that Lutherans are kind of egoist in this fashion, but oh well. So theologically speaking, the Book of Concord is going to be a great, great, great resource to be looking up here. You can also find it at thebookofconcord.org for free if you like reading on a tablet or a smartphone or your computer instead. If you're looking for challenge mode, a more academic treatment of a lot of theology, I would recommend John Theodore Mueller's Christian Dogmatics. It is extremely crunchy. It can take you up to an hour to really figure out what a single page is saying because Mueller liked to just write things in various languages. He spoke German, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, and he knew it. My goodness, he would take all of these things and just sometimes put out quotes there without translating them. You're supposed to know, <laughs> and that's it. But it is a genius work of dogmatic theology. He just sets everything out so stinking perfectly. And finally, on the topic of theology, I would also highly recommend Spener's, S-P-E-N-E-R, 
uh, Spanner's work, Pia Desideria. If you can find it, it's a little hard. You usually have to order it by print or find a PDF of it online. I am a shameless pietist, so I believe that Spanner's Pia Desideria takes the right track on the life of a Christian. Everybody at some point or another ought to read Pia Desideria and realize, hey, this guy had the right idea on how to be a good Christian. So, books for theology. Bible first and foremost. Everybody should be reading their Bible more than they read theological works and commentaries and other books like that. But a very helpful thing is the Lutheran Confessions, the Book of Concord, and then John Theodore Mueller's Christian Dogmatics, and then, finally, Spanner's Pia Desideria. I think that's a great thing for the individual Christian to have if he's willing to get into some of the crunchier stuff with Mueller. Now, in addition to that, we also have a little bit of philosophy. I used to be way more into philosophy than I am today because I found the philosopher that I think has the right tack on a lot of things like that. I am a massive fan of Kierkegaard. Fear and Trembling is the greatest philosophical work of the 19th century. I will say that, and anybody that disagrees, I don't know, I mean, whatever, dude. You can enjoy your Kant. You can enjoy your Marx or whatever. Uh, I'm going to stick with Kierkegaard because everything he says cuts through the fluff and the fat of philosophy today. It cuts apart analytic philosophy, which was just starting to get big in his day. It cuts through Hegelianism. It cuts through Marxism. It cuts through the Enlightenment thought. Everything that destroyed a lot of modern life today. All the stuff we dislike Kierkegaard just by talking about the night of faith versus the night of resignation. Talking about what Abraham went through and how our life really is something that ought to be characterized by faith. He just slices through all the crap. He slices through all the poop out there and says, this is the main point of it. So I will always recommend fear and trembling. If you read nothing else by Kierkegaard, fear and trembling is where it's at. It's a fantastic work. Now that said, that's my theological slash philosophical basis for a whole lot of the stuff I'm talking about. Great. But it shouldn't just be theology and philosophy that we study. A guy that does that is kind of a boring dude, and he's missing out on the total life aspect of wisdom as advocated in Holy Scripture. So here is where, personally, I made some decisions to start reading a lot of how-to books, and we'll get to that in a second here. But for you, dear listener, and anybody else listening, when it comes to the topic of reading in books, you have some freedom here. St. Paul talks about freedom in 1 Corinthians 6, and yes, he's talking about how we shouldn't use that freedom for the flesh, but for freedom, Christ set you free. You honestly don't have to read books that you don't see value in reading that maybe somebody else would enjoy. A great example of this is just how many guys find a lot of value in reading political theory books. I don't. I really, really don't. I don't see much value in them because most of politics is a silly kabuki theater that contributes nothing to my life, or nothing good anyway. <laughs> but if it is something that interests you, if you see benefit in it, then you have the freedom to try to exercise that wisdom and pick a book that's going to be beneficial for you. 
There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you have other hobbies that you're into, maybe you like gardening, maybe you like growing your own potatoes and your onions and everything, well, hey, you could really enhance your life reading a book on how to garden. You could enhance your life if you're an athletic type learning about sports and the history of sports. If you want to deepen your appreciation for your people and their past, reading history books can be fantastic. Reading how-to books is something I've settled on, namely because I believe it's wisest to learn how to be independent in an increasingly dependent world. You're not really allowed to know stuff anymore. They don't want you knowing how to do stuff. A good example of this is when I was in the Navy, it was during a time in which everything had shifted. The individual sailor used to be a maintainer. Having read all the tech manuals on his equipment, he knew how to fix it. He knew how to operate it. He was an operator, but he was also a maintainer that knew his stack, whatever equipment he was using, like the back of his hand. And if it failed, he had gone to special schools like 2M school to learn how to solder the circuit boards, learning how to do better maintenance on it. And the Navy was great for it. But when I got in there, we were starting to shift to a Navy full of operators. The Navy decided it was cheaper to hire contractors to fix all of our gear for us than to have professionals teach us how to maintain it ourselves. So suddenly now, the entire Navy, at least in my experience, was very dependent on hired specialists, very dependent on these contractors to do stuff. So whenever I read a book, I ask myself oftentimes, how does this make me more independent? How does this release me from the being shackled to various specialists, especially as it comes to health, dieting, uh, aging properly, etc. I am a health nut. I love to exercise. I love running around. I love doing karate. I love body weight exercises and calisthenics. And I want to emphasize and maximize my independence even when it comes to fitness. I don't want to have to drive to a gym. That takes time out of my busy day. I don't want to have to work with weights. That's money. That could also mean a gym membership if you're looking at barbells and plates or something like that. And just as important to me as my time is, not wanting to have a commute to go to the gym, <laughs> is also my space. Having a big home gym full of lots of equipment and everything is going to take up a lot of space that I could otherwise save for freedom of movement in my home, that I could otherwise save for my children to have their beds, their things, things they enjoy. So I am doing my best to learn how to work out with absolutely zero equipment whatsoever, just my body and the floor. Maybe, if I'm lucky, practicing handstands with a wall. So with that, then, I have two recommendations for you if you're interested in that. To start. Two recommendations to start. Because, my goodness, do I have a lot of fitness books. <laughs> there is two by Al Cavadlo. One is called Pushing the Limits. The other one is called Stretching Your Boundaries. These two go together very, very well. Pushing the limits, he calls it that because it's push calisthenics. How to work your 
upper body, lower body, and your back and your abs without anything, with just you. It's purely rugged. But then there is also stretching your boundaries, where Al Cavadlo took a lot of the movements from yoga, a lot of the healthy stretches and everything in those positions, a lot of the contortions and everything, and slapped them together in a book without all the weirdo spirituality that um, Hindu nationalists put together with Danish gymnastics to form the uh, kind of quote-unquote yoga, the fake stuff that people in leggings are doing in the studios today. So those two, pushing the limits and stretching your boundaries, I think are the perfect starter kit materials for a home workout program that is entirely independent. All you need is your body and a floor. And one more recommendation actually. Because I might say you should only need your body and a floor, but sometimes you don't actually get to use the floor. There are times when I wake up and I get ready in the morning, I do my prayers, I do my Bible reading, I have my breakfast and my cup of coffee, and then I, I do my warm-ups getting ready for my workout, and then suddenly my dog comes downstairs, my wife is up, my kids are up, and they're all running around, and they're fine with me working out, but they're still busy and playing and running around. If I try to pop a handstand, suddenly that's pretty dangerous. If I do some push-ups, I'm looking at my dog jumping on my back and making it 10 times harder. So one more book recommendation on fitness then would be John E. Peterson's Pushing Yourself to Power. John Peterson isn't the best author in the world, but he does a great job of cataloging a lot of what's called self-resistance exercises, where you pit one muscle against the other, and you're using your body for a lot of isolation exercises and compound exercises that don't require even the use of a floor. It's pretty amazing stuff that I love to do, especially when circumstances dictate that I can't do my standard calisthenic routine. So those are three books there. Al Cavadlo's Pushing the Limits, Stretching Your Boundaries, and then John E. Peterson's Pushing Yourself to Power. If you decide to read these things, it'll take a little bit of time and trial and error to find out the workout routine that's for you. But with a notebook, maybe a bullet journal, you can figure it out and have a grand old time the way I am. Now, on another topic, I know that Alzheimer's and dementia both run in my family. So I'm going to be reading some books here. One of them is called The Myth of Alzheimer's. It's a book about how to prevent cognitive decline as you get older. You know, I'm, I'm not that old. I'm not old at all. But one day I might be, God willing. <laughs> and I know my body is going to degenerate. And sure, if society maintains its course and the, the economic progress, the big line keeps going up, okay, I know how to take care of myself and not have to rely on these big corporations. If society totally fails, if everything breaks down and we are in a Mad Max scenario, at least I have control over my body and I'm fit enough to buy enough time to learn the other stuff I need to learn. Now, I am trying to also learn a little bit of bushcraft, a little bit of survivalist type stuff, just because camping is cool and I want to have that tool in my toolbox. I want to have those skills. I don't have a book list recommendation for you on that. I'm just now starting to get into it. And I'm trying to get into it with 
minimal investment. A lot of people spend a ton of money on just the warmest blankies, the warmest tents, the most expensive tiny little uh, propane cookers and stuff like that. I want to learn from the Boy Scouts from a hundred years ago, like how to start a fire with nothing but sticks and tree bark. <laughs> I want to learn how to build a tent rather than learning how to spend a thousand dollars on a tent. So I do have an old copy of like How to Camp, some book, I forgot the author of it. It's somewhere around here in my recording room, uh, but I'm not going to be an authority on telling you what books to read. I have been reading a lot of fitness books over the years. I have a giant collection of them because it's fun and you learn a lot. But when it comes to the other how-to guides, it's going to be my own body. And I want to learn how to age gracefully and in a productive way. Then I want to learn a lot about camping, trapping, hunting, surviving out there in bad times. And then it's going to be some more technical stuff like rewiring the house, doing a lot of home improvement type stuff, uh, fixing my car by myself. There was one book that saved me a whole lot of money back in the day. It was just how to fix your car for dummies, something like that. It was how to do it yourself. And that saved me quite a bit of cash and some of the minor repairs I was able to pull off, like changing the ignition on my car, swapping out alternators, that sort of thing. That was always worth it. But that's just me. It's all how-to stuff. This isn't going to be for everybody to see that. Maybe a lot of people were already in Boy Scouts. Maybe they've been working out their entire life. They have all that wisdom already. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to drive at is ask yourself before you look up books to read or if you listen to any of my recommendations, am I going to personally benefit from this? And am I going to be able to benefit my neighbor with that as well? How can I love God more and love my neighbor more and also love myself? Remember, you shall love your neighbor as yourself doesn't work if you don't love yourself. So looking at these book recommendations with a touch of wisdom will be incredibly helpful. And I hope, uh, for your sake, that you have some happy and enjoyable times reading. <laughs> I hope you have lots of time to read in a good way, in a productive way, and people give you that space to learn. Um, last thing, last, last, last thing. If you are reading to learn, a notebook, a bullet journal, whatever you have that you want to just write in to take little notes, however you like to take notes, it's good to have that so you don't have to reread the entire book if you need a quick reference. But anyway, I hope that helps you and helps everybody else listening. Happy reading, everybody, and I will catch you all next week for another VLL broadcast. Amen and amen.